everybody, and welcome to episode number eight of Stride and Saunter. I'm one of your hosts, Kip Clark. And I'm the other of your hosts, Hector Marrera. And today we're going to be talking about e-commerce, online purchases, and, and basically marketplaces that exist on the internet. So to explain, as always, why we're talking about this, I recently have been making a number of purchases online in the starting new school year. There are a few things I realize that I am without or some things that I would have liked to get before I left for school that it's just easier to get online. And I think a lot of what we'll talk about today is the utility of e-commerce and and how much easier it is, the convenience of buying things online. And I want to begin by talking about our first experiences buying things online, what it was like, what sort of things we noticed when we first started buying things online, from what sites we first bought things. And to begin, I remember perhaps around age 15 or 16 when I got my first job, and of course a debit card, and then the ability to buy things online, I went through Amazon. And I'm sure some of the first things I bought were video games as a gamer, but other things. I didn't buy clothes online, I didn't buy other things, although I now do. And I remember specifically looking at reviews. I think that's one of the most fascinating things about e-commerce that I'd like to come back to, is that we can see reviews. You don't see that when you go into a store. You don't see five stars or one star if a product is horrible. And it's very interesting to read other people's opinions of the product that you want to buy. And oftentimes, when ordering something, because unlike a store, it's, it's coming in the mail, you have time to anticipate it. You know that thing is coming in the mail for you. I've often watched or read reviews on the things that I was buying over and over again to validate or justify my purchase and make me consider if I had really made the right choice. Oddly enough, after the fact, I would certainly watch reviews and read reviews beforehand, but even after I'd purchased, I would still go back to them, and I find that to be both silly and I did the same thing. perplexing. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that we do that because we've, the money's been spent. Maybe yeah. you can make a return, but you've already spent it. So yeah, the first things I probably bought might have been games or movies. I have since expanded my, my buying catalog to include various other things, but do you remember some of your first experiences or any memorable experiences that stood out to you? The first experience I remember using Amazon, I remember using Amazon when I was younger with my dad. Specifically, it was my dad, he was asking me if I wanted to buy Shiloh, <laughs> the book Shiloh, and I don't remember why. Maybe he was just, you know, he just wanted to get me something, and he ended up buying me Shiloh, and I remember being, this was when I, it must have been, let's see, 11 or 12. 12 years old, maybe around that age, maybe a little younger. And I was kind of amazed because, you know, I would go to bookstores very often and I would, you know, just look at the books, but here, you know, we could just purchase it and get it in a box. And I loved that. I loved being able to get in the little box. But the adventures I really remember were buying things on eBay. And again, it was with my dad and my brother. And I remember there was a point in my childhood when I was really into coin collecting and I was really into American coins. And so I bought, for example, a Benjamin Franklin coin, which like existed in like 1960s or something like that. I think it's a 50 cent piece. It might be a dollar piece, but it has Benjamin Franklin's head on it. And all these little coins, which were, you know, still, I think, legal tender. It just boggled my mind that these once existed and people used to, you know, bring these to stores and give them and buy things with them. Another thing I bought was a bayonet, a World War II bayonet that my dad would always tell me stories about. Apparently his his father had one of these knives, but my cousin and ended up keeping it when he was younger. So I ended up getting, or my dad ended up gifting me the same exact bayonet. And I still have it in my house. It's this beautiful 
piece of metal and you know it's a very heavy object but those were a couple of my first purchases but these days I usually am browsing online to seek out old video games old video games that I used to play or to look at the prices of things for example vinyls that had limited releases uh, and you know newer artists are now releasing vinyls so it's pretty fascinating to see you know what or what is available on Amazon or eBay for example yeah yeah, the spread of what you can acquire online, especially on sites like eBay, is fascinating. It's a huge cornucopia of various products and, and things that... Even cars now. Right, that, that didn't always exist before. So to familiarize our listeners with some information about e-commerce, I did a little bit of research, and I've got a page in front of me that I'm going to read some facts from to familiarize. So in 1995, Jeff Bezos launched Amazon.com and the first commercial-free 24-hour internet-only radio stations, Radio HK and Net Radio. This is also a period in which Dell and Cisco began aggressively using the internet for commercial transactions, and eBay was founded by computer programmer Pierre Omidyar as Auction Web, so it later changed its name. In 1998, electronic postal stamps could be purchased and downloaded for printing from the web. In 2003, Amazon.com posted its first yearly profit. In 2002, eBay acquired PayPal for $1.5 billion. And in 2003, Amazon.com posted its first yearly profit. And now much more recently, in 2013, U.S. e-commerce and online retail holiday sales reached $46.5 billion, which was up 10% from the previous year. And most recently, in 2014, Overstock.com processed over $1 million in Bitcoin sales, Bitcoin being an electronic form of currency. And also in this year, India's e-commerce industry is estimated to have grown more than 30% from the year earlier to $12.6 billion in 2013. And U.S. e-commerce and online retail sales are projected to reach $294 billion for the entire year, which is an increase of 12% over 2013 and 9% of all retail sales. So clearly, e-commerce is a very important and large force. It's, it's powerful. One thing that I wanted to start with, because there's obviously a lot of aspects about e-commerce, I want to begin with the things that we like about it. I certainly know one of my favorite things about it, as I mentioned before, are the reviews. They can't always be trusted, and certainly some people hate a product outright. They have a horrible first impression of it, and they give it a horrible review, and, and you can't always trust it, but you can pick those out. I think usually the people that go to the extreme of one or five stars are not doing a good job with the gray area. But I'm really, really glad that reviews exist, and also that a number of retailers, there are online stores for Nordstrom, and I'm sure Macy's, and various other department stores and, and companies, all have pages on their sites for reviews. They don't prohibit you, they don't censor your opinion, and they let you give good reviews, they let you give bad reviews, and I think that's a really important and frankly democratic aspect of e-commerce that I'm really, really fond of. Yeah, and again, I think what excites me about it is the fact that you have access to all these products being sold by all these different merchants all at once from different parts of the world and the sample size from which to pick you know you know if you can be looking for vinyl you can be looking for the Beatles white album and end up finding you know going on this you know rabbit hole of other products that you might be interested in other pieces of vinyl now I might disagree with you there I was yeah, actually sure. gonna say one of the negatives which we'll get to in a minute 
I don't think it's it's so easy to browse on e-commerce. I think they're making it better, and I think it's certainly a bit easier because there are algorithms that recommend things for you, uh-huh. but I don't know, or at least I have not had too many experiences in which I go down a rabbit hole looking for one thing and finding another that I truly love. But I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that you, you think that you can, and it's totally valid. I haven't had that experience personally. Yeah, well, I guess I'll just stick to, for, for now, I just think it's amazing that it is this, you know, virtual store and that you can purchase these products that are being sold by, you know, a number of different retailers and then have this product delivered to your home. At the same time, I think it is kind of scary. I mean, I don't know if it's scary, but it is kind of freaky to think about, you know, there is a point where, you know, I've, I've heard of people buying, for example, cereals or other food products through Amazon.com and just, you know, getting their food that way. And whereas I don't see as that being negative on its own, I can see cases where people don't ever leave their houses and just purchase these products and have it delivered to them. So essentially they have to do minimal work. Yeah. And we'll come back to negatives. Absolutely. And I want to touch on that too. I think people's lack of venturing beyond the home for sales now is is interesting but i will say one of my favorite positives about e-commerce is, is getting that package in the mail you you anticipate it you know it's coming and it will arrive you know i i love the indications of a, a new package arriving either the the mail was brought in or i get an email in my inbox saying you've got a package to come pick up because it's it's exciting and even though you know what it is opening that package and unwrapping that product is really cool seeing it in this pristine state it's usually really well wrapped and and protected so as to survive its journey to you there's just something really nice about getting those packages in the mail touching the product and yeah having it in your hand yeah especially and i think yeah you make a a really good connection that the tactile connection between purchasing this digital image effectively and having that physical object delivered to you and actually seeing, well, this this is what this sweater looks like. This is how it feels. This is what this DVD looks like. I, it's so cool to be able to receive this object that previously you've just been browsing in an image or maybe a video format to really get a sense of what you're buying. Another, you know, facet of e-commerce is I think both you and I have played a lot of video games in our life. And, you know, relatively recently, there was a browser program created called Steam. And Steam, essentially, it's this online marketplace where you can purchase, originally it was just video games, but now you can purchase software. Apple also has a store that is similar to that, except it's more for applications for their computer but both of us are people who have gone from this you know physical age to a more digital age and I remember the feeling of you know having a new video game it, there is a very similar feeling when I purchase a game on Steam and have it download to my computer this excitement of watching the download bar go from 0 yeah, to 100 yep. little by little little by little and then all of a sudden you have the full game on your computer and you can you have access to this new world and you know while it's not tactile the the feeling is still there it is still the same feeling of anticipation and then you know this release and this excitement right having the product right i remember joining steam you made a really good point and bringing it up it's a, a great service but it's not the only service like at itunes of course you're downloading music and movies and other things and it's really cool to be able to browse so quickly digital media Digital, digital possessions, I think, would be another really interesting topic for conversation someday. And one of the best things that you just reminded me of in bringing up Steam is that you can compare prices of things side by side from different retailers, not even just different vendors, but you can compare Amazon to 
any number of stores. I brought up Nordstrom earlier. If there's a sweater that's sold on both Nordstrom and Amazon, you know I'm gonna check out both and view them side by side in, in Windows on my computer to compare the two. And that's something you can't always do with other retailers. You can go into a store, let's say J. Crew, and look at their pants selection, but you're not gonna know what the prices are of the other guy unless you went to their store first and took note of that. And it e-commerce simplifies that comparison, which I think is really important for consumers. And I would also argue, despite my lack of economic background, that it's important for companies because there needs to be competition and they need to lower prices in order to compete and the consumer wins. And then that company also earns your purchase because they lower their price. And so I think price comparison is a huge benefit of e-commerce that I think has gradually bled into the storefront in the physical space. But I think it's really, really cool that we have the ability to compare. So now to bridge over to criticisms, one of the the criticisms that I have that's sort of in tandem with the reviews that we talk about is that you're not always sure, especially with with physical things, like let's say clothing, how it's going to fit. You can see it worn on a model and even described in its specifications and, and size, but you don't always get a great sense. I've ordered a few things online that didn't always fit great because, you know, I'm, I'm a slim and, and have really weird shoulder projections or whatever, and it's, it's not always easy for me to buy clothes online. And I think that's one detriment of, of e-commerce because you don't always have the best sense of what you're getting. And I think it can be really difficult because in the return process can be difficult. I think a lot of companies are getting good about free returns, which is great, and I'm a huge fan of it, but it's still a hassle. It's more convenient when you just order the thing it fits or it works completely as expected, it, it's perfect and it met your expectations and that's great. But it's not always the case because sometimes you are surprised by what you're getting, which will bring me back to another point in a moment. But what do you think are some some pitfalls of e-commerce? I would say that you bring up a good point with the lack of one-to-one representation on the image to the actual product. You do have to do a lot of research. You know, it's not so much of a negative thing, but you know, there is this feeling, I do enjoy the actual going to a place and seeing a product right there in front of me and being able to touch it and being able to take it out of the store. And there is this almost like a momentum to the satisfaction of purchasing this thing or, you know, being able to see it and, and play with it and then take it over. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's this this feeling of momentum and, you know, this tactile feeling of having, you know, a bag with a product that I just purchased that can't be replicated, you know, online because you are getting this product brought to you. Also, you know, from person to person, I know for me, it can be a hassle to return something if something gets dented, for example, or something gets broken. Amazon is one thing, but if you purchase it from another company, they're customer service might not be that great or they might be a sketchy company and they might not <laughs> have any desire to return it at, you know at all they might just be disappearing and running away with your money so there is always that feeling of you know security and wanting to you know buy the product and and just kind of get over with the process and it does become more of a hassle if it's broken or whatever and the customer service isn't that great or returning it is not something that you have time for for example right I know I brought up earlier the concept of economic competition, which I find very mm-hmm. important in, mm-hmm. in all trade because I think it, it gives the consumer the best product, usually for the best price. Not always there are, I'm sure, some some loopholes there, but I'm not an econ major. I think one downfall of some sites, if you go to Toshiba's website to buy a computer from Toshiba, you are not seeing their competition, which obviously is, is something that they want. They don't want you to think about where else you could buy a computer because then they don't get your product, and that's obvious. But as a consumer, I think it's really important to know 
that you have other options. Sites like Amazon, I think, are great for this because they don't really have any loyalty. They will sell you a variety of products from a variety of producers, and that's great. But when you go to a specific site, which oftentimes have more information on the product and that's where you need to go, it can get cumbersome to compare. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's not always so easy. Another criticism I would have that's less related to competition is what you had talked about before, about the browsing and getting caught and, and going down the rabbit hole and finding something great. At least for me, I've had difficulty with that. I've really appreciated recommendations from sites like Amazon that, of course, track what you're doing, which is, is an issue creepy. in and of itself. Yeah, creepy <laughs> at times, for sure. Yeah. But I've found that their algorithms are often very effective and are recommending products for me that I would like and I often purchase as a result. But many, many times I go looking for one thing or I, I try to browse because I'm in the mood to purchase something and it's not always easy for me. I, I try and and go to recommended artists or similar artists and music, for example, and I, I don't find things that appeal to me. It's not always as easy. Whereas a storefront or an actual store itself, you can talk to employees, you can say, hey, I really like this Led Zeppelin album. Can you recommend anything that might have similar qualities? And that person might be very well versed in music and might be able to help you. Obviously, that's an isolated example, but it is nice to have a physical person there. I agree with you being able to carry a bag. It's, it's a nice sense. And I think in terms of technology, for example, if you go to a Best Buy, being able to, to feel a phone in your hand or a digital camera that you're trying to buy and compare them, actually hold that, that object. You get a, a real sense that can't be reproduced by giving a numerical weight to it. You're not really going to get a good sense of how that object feels. And I think that's a, a benefit of physical shopping that can never be reproduced online. And I think that's why we still have stores since the inception of online marketplaces. Yeah, so, I- I'm sorry. I don't know if, you know, this is connected in any way, but I mean, there's one thing, you know, the niche shop, for example, the the vinyl, the store that sells vinyls, the store that sells breads, the store that sells just shoes. Those things are kind of going out and you have big, st- even supermarkets, like, or just a regular supermarket with a deli counter and, you know, smaller objects. They're kind of falling by the wayside in place for, you know, larger companies, for example, Costco, which sells absolutely everything. But I, I'm not really sure, you know, where e-commerce plays in that role, but maybe there is this, I, I do have this feeling of, you know, I, this desire to have more stores that have their little niches and their little things. I mean, I still love going to, for example, a vinyl record store, you know, music stores, family-run bookstores, you know, especially bookstores. I think I, I think I have a connection with bookstores. In fact, I think a lot of us may, where you just go in and you just sit down and you read a book and maybe purchase it at the end of your visit. But there is a move, there is a mass movement towards digital, and that includes books becoming digitized. And I guess my only hesitation is this concern that we are moving maybe too quickly or more quickly than some of us may desire towards to digital and sacrificing things that we may enjoy, for example, bookstores, or even something like the cinema. If you can purchase films the day of their release on a you know website like Amazon or on you know the Apple Store or whatever, and watch it on your TV, it's not the same experience as going to a movie theater and watching it with an audience or just watching it on the big screen. Right. I I agree with you on the the bookstore example. I think mm-hmm. the atmosphere of a place is key and and certainly you feel comfortable in your home when you're sitting at your computer and ordering something online but it's not the same as Mm -hmm. being around 
other like-minded people. I think that's one of. Or one you're of not around the people aspects. in the in general. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're by yourself. Very doing this action. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a very good point. I think the social aspect of shopping is is key. I, I know people that shop with others, and I think that's wise. I think it's the way to go about it because you get another opinion. Let's say I order clothing online that that maybe doesn't look good on me that I think will look great, and then it arrives, and people say, "Kip, what were you thinking?" I <laughs> I have to return that thing or I feel compelled to return that thing because I didn't make the move of gathering others' opinions with me when I went shopping because I didn't go shopping. And I think that shopping can be and has been, at least traditionally, a very social practice. And e-commerce is not a social practice. It's convenient and it's effective. But being able to shop with other people, I really think, adds an important normalizing element. You sort of get an average of opinion and it's similar to democracy, you balance out that, that one person who thinks this product's great and the one person who knows that it's not. And you, you, you get a better sense of, of what to buy, I think, when you're shopping with other people. And I think it's a really cool thing. I would also say the, the negativity or, or one lacking feature of e-commerce, which isn't necessarily its fault, is that I've had great experiences, you know, Christmas shopping. It's, it's late. It's, it's almost Christmas time, and I've done a terrible job preparing. <laughs> and I go out to the store, and I, I ask someone, hey, I'm looking to get this, this, and this for so-and-so in my family. What would you recommend? And there's just a certain, like I mentioned before, the social aspect of shopping with other people. There's a social aspect about talking to a sales associate who knows the store, who knows the product, and who also knows your situation. You can you can talk to someone on Amazon in the, in the help section and, and seek advice, but it's, it's not quite the same. And so I think that e-commerce definitely lacks that. I also want to transition into where we see it going. I know you talked about niche shops. I don't see them ever going away, or hopefully they wouldn't. But I do see, as in the projections I already read earlier in the episode, e-commerce growing. It seems like it's projected to grow. It seems like more and more stores that have physical presences are also developing their e-commerce profiles. They're trying to reach more and more people online, advertising online, tracking what you're looking at and what you're purchasing so they can better recommend to you what you should buy online. But how do you think it's going to change and grow in the future? Well, I think it's already growing, you know, with you mentioned in passing Bitcoin and how, you know, now that we have like a million dollars in sales. I, I don't, do you remember when that first came up, Bitcoin in general? I don't remember when I first heard of it. Maybe I'm going to say 2012, 2011, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember somebody brought it up to me and told me about mining Bitcoins and how people like set up rigs to, to harvest this thing. And that was back when it was cents per Bitcoin and now it costs, you know, 400 something dollars. And I think that's going towards this belief that our economy, we're becoming a more global economy. And so I think the desire for Bitcoin or other, you know, online currencies is to create a central currency that people respect and people go for. I'm not very good with economics, not 100% sure how currency works, but I know that our money is backed up by solid gold and, you know, other metals and other, you know, products. But I think there's also, you know, inflation that happens or artificial inflation, I think it's called, when there are too many bills printed out and not enough hard currency backing it. And I'm not really sure why people back Bitcoin, except for the fact that you can transfer it from one place to another without charge and essentially instantaneously and transfer it from cash into Bitcoin. So people are putting what we value, money, euros, dollars, rubles, yen, and putting it into this new currency. So I think that the future of e-commerce is making a more aware global economy. And ideally, we don't see the end of smaller niche shops, but we 
we see niche shops that have a bigger front from which to sell their products and from which to sell things that people are maybe interested in across the world. And I'm not, I can't really give a detailed example, but you know, if somebody makes, you know, really beautiful sweaters and he hand makes them and he has somehow made a very, himself very popular online, now he has this whole front from which to sell these sweaters and to make a living, which is pretty amazing. Right. One one piece I should have touched upon earlier on the positive comments we made is that e-commerce has given individuals, forget companies, individuals, the ability to sell things. Etsy is a really cool yeah, website yeah, yeah, yeah. that allows artists and artisans to sell their products. They don't need to have a storefront. They can just sell from the website. I'm sure they pay a fee to have their account posted and to, to advertise their items, but it's really cool that they are able to sell those things. And another piece that I wanted to touch upon is that e-commerce in some ways has made shopping safer because I'm thinking about Black Friday and the rush of consumers, almost a stampede typically that can mow people down and cause numerous injuries before the holiday season because people are in such a rush. And a lot of online retailers participate in Cyber Monday, which is very similar. Many online retailers like Amazon have a whole week of sales leading up to Thanksgiving. And it's safer in a sense. You know that you're not going to be stampeded sitting at your desk, hopefully not, because it's in the privacy of your own home. And I do think that aspect of shopping in public, it's not so much social as it is a mob mentality. I'm glad that that danger is removed from e-commerce, although there are others. But to our audience, we're curious to hear what you think after our discussion about e-commerce. These are some of our thoughts, and we want to know what you're thinking. Have you made any spectacular or perhaps horrendous decisions when it comes to purchases online? What do you think of online retailers? What are your tendencies? Do you tend to shop more online than you do in person nowadays? And why has that shift happened? We're curious to know what you guys are thinking. And Hector, how can they reach us online? Okay, so you can reach us at Stride and Saunter. That's our Twitter handle. And it's not and, it's an N, Stride and Saunter. You could visit our Facebook page. You can email us at strideandsaunter at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website, strideandsaunter.com. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends, family, and others who might enjoy or find this conversation interesting. We would love to include more people. This is not a conversation between, but a conversation among. If you did not enjoy our podcast, we completely understand as two fallible humans here in the studio, and we wanna know why. We'd love to hear honest reviews and critiques of us and what we could do better in your eyes because we want this to be a conversation and a podcast that you all enjoy. So in closing, as always, Thank you for listening. We really appreciate your time. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And my name is Hector Marrero. There are walls around me. Boop.